feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up. You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Let's, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. And... very nice and folksy yeah wasn't it ah shit god damn hold on the uh watching cops again (laughs) i gotta remember to turn that off background uh yeah plastic jesus Hmm. oh a little homage to your uh new decoration yeah yeah you know i every time i get in my truck that song jumps into my head and i thought who is that? that uh the person that did that version, uh, it's a pretty uh, handy picking in that guitar. Yeah, no doubt. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of people have covered this song. It was originally written by Ed Rush and George Cromartie in 1957, mm-hmm. but uh, most notably is Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke. Ah, and I think that's where most people were exposed to the song. That's weird. I was just thinking about Cool Hand Luke. Because I was with my buddy, and he showed me a clip from the movie Slapshot mm. with Paul Newman. Yeah. And I was like, I got to go back and watch Cool Hand Luke. I haven't seen that in probably 20 years. Great movie. Both great movies. A, a Cool Hand Luke. I was, that's funny. I was my thinking about it. My boy can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> yep. Ate 50 eggs and didn't even puke. <laughs> the, uh, the anti-authoritarianism in that movie yeah. is at an 11. Yeah. Right? He starts off with him just cutting the cutting heads off, off of parking meters. <laughs> With a giant pipe cutter, too. Uh, Such a cool way to do it. Not all heroes wear capes. That's true. That's true. I just ran down to the store. Mass game, still going strong. That's nice to see. Nice to see people taking this thing seriously. I had a bizarre realization without giving out. um, Did you hear that? What is that? I guess it wasn't loud enough. From now on, uh, anytime we uh, talk about masks. Mm -hmm. You be careful. People in masks cannot be trusted. I like that. <laughs> and it's true. Uh, I had this bizarre realization that I do, I typically do like one huge project a year and then I'll do small projects in between. And it's uh, the rough outline of it is just these giant steel buildings and uh, they're extremely high end. So our clients tend to be like very wealthy. And then we had a, um, <clears throat> 
kind of an impromptu meeting that the, we're in the middle of a project that we have this year, and I schedule this thing out for a year in advance, that we might be putting the brakes on the project. I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And um, not to put too fine a point on it, but a lot of the money that was involved in the project is tied up in Tesla stock, and Tesla had taken a nosedive. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, okay, so I can adjust. I mean, I have other projects I can do, but then I'm like, okay, things get a little light. I got a bunch of money in crypto. I'll take the money out of crypto and you know just kind of take a break. Put it into funeral homes. <laughs> Put it into funeral homes. And I just started laughing. I was like, maybe 10 years ago, imagine going back and talking to yourself. Like, okay, I was aware of the Tesla because we, we were in Marin County a lot and it's you know an extremely wealthy, one of the wealthiest uh, counties in the entire country. So it's very, a lot of Teslas. I remember seeing And very tech heavy. Yeah, very tech heavy. And I remember seeing a lot of Teslas like 10 years ago. So I was like, if I was to tell myself. Yeah, like that douchebag Francois drove (laughs) one. Yes. And I remember telling myself like, okay, so you've seen that Tesla driving around. I'm like, yeah, this is me talking to myself 10 years ago. And I'm like, okay, so everyone's going to invest in the guy in this company, right? And that stock's going to go through the roof. It's going to make all these like multimillionaires, right? But then uh, he is going to buy something called Twitter. I don't know if you are aware of that. And all of a sudden, everyone's going to hate him for no reason. And the stock's going to take a nosedive. And I'd be telling future self, like, why are you telling me this? Like, well, your livelihood is going to be directly tied to this stock. (laughs) But there's good news. There's something called crypto. And you'll have a bunch of money in crypto. So when this Tesla stock nosedives because he buys something called Twitter... And the left mob turns on him. You can take your money out of crypto and just like take it easy until you find another job. And if I if I was telling myself that ten years ago, I'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" It's just amazing. Like I, I don't know, not to sound like old guy, but all that the, the amount of dramatic change in like business and tech and tied it tying it directly to what I do for a living has been like mind boggling to think about. And that whole situation just maybe like reflect on like the last 10 years is pretty interesting meanwhile you from 10 years ago be like hold on i don't just which horses in the sonoma county fair should i be betting on okay let's just go straight to that i don't care about any of this stuff that you're telling me okay first before i tell you all this someone's going to tell you about something called bitcoin fucking buy it it's like eight dollars right now yeah Interesting times. Yes. <clears throat> I think you probably have to go back a little more than 10 years to, to really hit it out of the park with Bitcoin. I remember 12 years ago, someone telling me about it. And they asked me to sit down with them. It was people I didn't even know. And they were kind of salesmen-y about it. Like, hey, you want to sit down? We're talking about this thing called Bitcoin. I was like, I've heard of that. And I just, the only reason I didn't is I just the way these guys looked. I was like, I just, I, I don't get a good read on these guys. Really? How'd yeah. they look? Like, um, very West County, like hippie-ish. I was, you know who I was thinking of? Who? Um, what was it? Is the name Arjun that worked for us? Arjun, no. Arun. Uh, Arun. Yeah. Yeah, they look like Arun. Arun. So 145 pounds soaking wet massage therapist who came to work for me and Matt and the job we gave him was laying underneath a house, jackhammering out a humongous glob of concrete. 
whoever had built this house to get rid of too much of the extra concrete, mm-hmm. they just poured a giant mound of it underneath the house and just left it there. Like, so stupid. And so most jackhammers are meant to work in an upright position. So yeah. this jack, as same with this jackhammer. Yeah. But we couldn't be upright under the house. So this poor bastard had to go under there and with the jackhammer kind of laying on top of him, just work away at forcing it into this giant glob of concrete. That is and brutal. Bust it out. Dude never complained. Yeah. He was a good guy. He was just happy as could be. We ended up naming the jackhammer Betty and calling it his girlfriend. He did not complain about that either. And every day showed up for work, crawled under this house. And then, so fast forward 10 years, and you know what he does for a living now? No. Finance. Really? He's a Wall Street trader. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. I know. Isn't that crazy? Which kind of goes to what you were saying. Yeah. These kind of crunchy West County people giving you advice right. on something in the financial realm. Yeah. Should have listened. Yeah. Good morning. Time to get up and go to work. So our good friends in the World Economic Forum have just wrapped up their annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland. I know. Uh, I don't know where to start with this. There's just so much fruit on the street. We could start from the beginning where Klaus Schwab gives his opening remarks to everyone. That sounds good. How would you like that? Yes. Okay. So under the motto, cooperation in the fragmented world. At the beginning of this year, we are confronted with unprecedented and multiple challenges. I'm sorry, but dude, your accent is too thick to be real. (laughs) Do you you have to sound like a Bond villain? Just fucking get, I mean, you're, it's obvious that you're putting extra affectation on your accent. Just, I am so sick of these warmongering pedophiles. Exactly. Thank you, Alex. First, our global economy is undergoing deep transformation. I wonder why the that is. Yes, it is. Sorry. The consequences of COVID. Back it up. The energy transition. The consequences of COVID. The reshaping of supply chains hmm. are all serving as catalytic forces for the economic transformation. And the hotspots of this geo-economic remodeling are high inflation, increasing interest rates, and growing national debt. This is particularly hurting low- and middle-income groups. (laughs) It is exacerbating societal fragmentation. That's a fucking yep. demon. It sure is, genius. Thank you for shutting down our world economy. Not that he did it, but right. everyone that follows his uh, way of thinking, follows along with the World Economic Forum agenda, decided to shut down our economy, create all these artificial problems that he's now saying, whoa, look at 
we no one saw this coming. We had this energy crisis and the consequences of COVID and uh, the reshaping of supply chains. Yeah, that's all because governments around the world decided to shut down the economy for a bad cold. Yeah, these... These guys, hearing political elites talk about the effects of like the supply chain, for example, and well, we had to make some adjustments. We didn't really see this coming the same way we didn't see coming printing $9 trillion and putting the economy and then inflation skyrocketing. I mean, that's like me putting a lasagna in the oven and taking it out, you know, an hour later, like, oh, lasagna. Like, who saw this coming? Who saw this coming? (laughs) Bad, uh, dude, this whole thing is. I don't know. I guess the World Economic Forum is, it's bad news for those of you that aren't kind of hip to it. I mean, we're kind of geeks for this stuff. So if you are 90, part of that 99%, 0.99% of the unwashed masses, you know, or as Yuval Harari calls them, the useless eaters, this meeting is a bad news. It's basically, it's a Disneyland for elites. Yeah. It's, it's a giant where they preach to you about not eating meat and your carbon footprint, they've all flown in, flown in on private jets, dining on steak. And you know what it is good news for? <clears throat> High-end prostitutes, which business is booming in Davos hmm. last week, miraculously. Really? And Did they publish their quarterly earnings or something? No, no. <laughs> this is kind of anecdotal. Okay. <laughs> and apparently unvaccinated pilots. Uh-huh. The demand for pilots that were not vaccinated, I guess, uh, was pretty heavy there. What was the thing that the, uh, was it the FAA that recently like lowered their standards? Lowered the standards for, uh, I think their standards for heart arrhythmias. Yes. Right. Wow. So you can be a little bit more heart attack prone now and become a pilot. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're in a pilot shortage because... They, they fired, fired all the... <laughs> no, because COVID. Be, oh, that's why I meant, because of COVID, yeah. COVID just did these magical things. I mean, that's basically what Klaus Schwab was saying right there, right? Is that, well, COVID happened, and as a result, um, we had this energy crisis, and uh, we were reshaping our supply chains. As if the disease, right. COVID, went around and wrecked havoc on yeah. the energy sector, yeah. which it did a, not. A virus with a 99.97% survivability rate. Yep. No, I, I, I always try to correct people when we talk about that. It's like, it's COVID didn't do anything. It's the reaction to COVID. Like, that's why the schools was shut down, for example. And I want to do something for now on, actually, but particularly I did this a lot for the things we're going to talk about today. And that's the notion of the fact check. The fact check. Fact check. Fact check. I think, believe um, 85% of people only read the headline to an article. They don't actually read the article. So the things that we bring up on here, Mm -hmm. you can fact check it. And it says like, no, that is false. But what we always say is like, you got to read the fact check. So for example, kicking things off. Fact check. (laughs) The fact (laughs) check. (laughs) Did the World Economic Forum require unvaccinated pilots for Davos delegates? I fact check that. No, that's not true. Okay, why is that not true? Our verdict. The World Economic Forum has confirmed that is false. Oh, okay. Oh, well, cool. okay. There you go. <laughs> <Great>. My bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's just old me and Alex Jones here in the corner. <laughs> so the World Economic Forum, I mean, they, so they typically get together every year in Davos, and they have like some main themes that they try to hit. And this year's main themes were 
I mean, this is all follows under the umbrella. They call it broader global issues, for example, and they decide like what those global issues are. So do you want to take, I mean, it's probably pretty easy to guess. What would you say those issues are, if you had to guess? Hmm. Well, I know f- for a fact, because I've... Uh, I'm on this podcast with you doing similar research. Ah, yes. I okay, that's where I've seen you. That's where I've seen you. I know that cybersecurity is cybersecurity. a top one. Yeah, global warming, climate change, economic inequalities, and yes, combating misinformation, which falls under the heading of cybersecurity. And I would put that last one uh, as a, a newer topic to their agenda from what they have done in the past. Correct. Because the other ones, climate change and what were the other... Uh, climate change, global warming. I'm not sure why. Are those <laughs> two separate things. Kind of interesting. That <laughs> separate uh, economic inequalities. Yeah, that's that's typical on their and agenda. The, and the one that we have actually hit on quite a bit. I mean, we talk about all those things all the time. But the cybersecurity one is pretty interesting. Yes. And the more that I mean, you can go back a couple episodes. We tend to hit this from different angles. But the more that I started looking at and looking at through the prism of Klaus Schwab saying he wants to scrub the internet. Oh, let's do another fact check real quick. Uh, World Economic Forum fact check. The fact check. Does Klaus Schwab want to censor the internet? Fact check. The World Economic Forum does not have the ability to censor the internet. Okay. Three years ago, I, I would have said the World Economic Forum also doesn't have the power to make us all eat bugs. That seems to be coming along pretty good. So why would Klaus Schwab, if he doesn't have the ability to do Who that? Who is that fact check from? Uh, these are all, it's like news punch. There's factcheck.org. I mean, there's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. I think most of the shit is just bots. Because that's such I a, think, I, I think, think so I too. Think it's, it's like counter narrative shit that yeah, just they turned out automatically. Yeah. Right, correct. Because I, I actually looked up the same thing, mm-hmm. um, since you and I have basically shared the same brain now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, where, and memory, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> where there was that period that you and I were talking about him, Schwab, saying that he wanted to sanitize yeah. the internet. Here's this quote. And, uh, the internet must be reformed. There's too much misinformation out there. Reads a screenshot of a tweet from the World Economics Forum. And they're claiming that that was a fake tweet right this will be the next step for the great reset says and, Klaus Schwab. okay no. do you think that it was a fake tweet or do you think it was a tweet that they made and then they erased it so here we because i have made up fake tweets before uh-huh and put them out there do you remember that did one you make up did, this one i didn't this isn't my work no i'm much sloppier you'd be able to tell um there was that one that i put out there that uh you know i'm trying to be so ridiculous that it's obvious that it's fake right but i put it out there and nobody got it uh-huh. Everyone thought it was real. Yeah. It was the one where I said that uh, the World Economic Forum was saying that next winter we shall be burning our poop to stay warm in order to <laughs> stop global warming. That was a good one. <laughs> I got to find that repost. So, you know, it's funny that you put out that tweet, which is patently ridiculous. Yes. Right. But is it that ridiculous? No, in, in the, in no the context, one thought so. <laughs> in the, yes, in the context of the, because I've seen legitimate articles that to like it's time to reconsider your notion of cannibalism. You're like, what? Right. Like, is that too far off base from burning your own? I mean, I'd rather That's burn my own poop than eat big, someone big time. I mean, depending on the person, but <laughs> depending on the poop, depending on the poop. So, 
it's, uh, I think the thing that was most interesting to me, cause the climate change stuff is, it's frustrating for me to go through because it's just such a weaponized sham. And is there, okay. So we, you know, all the low, you know, I have all these clips that I actually ended up just getting rid of, of like, you know, John Kerry coming, you know, saying like, no, I exclusively fly commercial. I don't fly private. I'm like, no, you don't. Like you did for this weekend. You know, it's like, that's like someone saying like, no, I don't drink anymore. It's like, no, you've been sober for 72 hours. That's a di- different. You're a lifelong alcoholic. Like all these, and you know, and I have footage of, I mean, the amount of private jets in, in this giant taxiway is just, in, it's mind boggling. Like, you know, I've never seen in such a concentration. It's like this, we try to like point out to people, I guess, if this is your introductory course, like these are the wealthiest and most powerful people in the world and they're fucking complete hypocrites. And what they're doing is they're getting together and trying to parse together an agenda of how to subjugate you. And when we talk about these things like eliminating our carbon footprint and not eating meat, we're going to start eating bugs and live in a tiny home and we're going to get rid of the you know combustible engine and we're going to, what, is, what do they call it now, the electrification of the country. You know, uh, Elon Musk has just met with Joe Biden to talk about this. So Sorry, people on the right, Elon Musk is not your lord and savior. <laughs> you need to ditch that idea. Mm-hmm. Is what the, if, if you take one thing away from the things that we talk about, it's they're not talking about them. They're, ta- they're not talking about us. They're talking about you. Right. So this 0.001% of the world, it's not, it does not pertain to them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's true for every single thing that they say, every law that they pass, every mandate right. that they, you know, they lay down as law, even though it's not a law in front of you. When Gavin Newsom says that you don't need an AR-15, right? He does so while being surrounded by armed, armed security bodyguard, right. bodyguards. Yeah, when he says you need to lock down and socially distance, not him. He's going to the French Laundry. When we say we need to lock down the schools. Because it's unsafe. No, not his kid's school, not his kid's private academy. You, you plebes in the public school system. You, know, you working in the restaurant or you know working retail or at a bar. You will stay home and not earn money and sit there. And we will tell you when we think it's safe for you to get back to your life. Yeah. So if you take, I know this seems like super low hanging fruit. You know, given the thing, you know how deep we go into like some bizarre shit sometimes, but. It's, we have talked about like, not everyone is a geek about this stuff like we are. So we try to bring it back to these like very, very simple points. So if you take like one thing away from the thing that we're talking about with the World Economic Forum, that's, that's your, that's your takeaway is that they mean you, not them. Do you know who, this is a bit of a sidestep, but I found this interesting. Do you know who Scott Adams is? Mm Mm-hmm. The creator, Dilbert. yeah, creator of Dilbert, um, and then he became a big kind of controversial figure for uh, coming out as a vocal Trump supporter. Yeah, this is kind of interesting because we were talking about this earlier. Is that he started ruffling feathers or was seen as breaking ranks because he also came out in strong favor of the vaccine. Yes. And he was a very, very vocal proponent of everyone getting vaccinated and the boosters and everything, which we were discussing earlier this week, which is kind of interesting because it has seen this weird, like tribal binary view 
that if you have chosen to forego this experimental gene therapy, that it's kind of a dog whistle to the MAGA Republicans, which is fucking stupid because Trump was in very much in favor of the vaccine, very mm-hmm. much in favor of the lockdowns, and came up with and his administration was responsible for Operation Warp Speed. Yeah, he's still we, bragging about Operation we, Warp yeah, Speed. Yeah, which was to get as many shots and as many arms as quickly as, as possible. little testing is- right. We absolutely need. Goddamn politics are stupid, aren't they? <laughs> well, drives me insane. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, I think that if you look at the way people, politics are stupid, the media amplifies the stupidity right. of it. But if you can look at it with the glasses from They Live mm-hmm. and really see yeah. what's going on, we were just talking about this yesterday. Correct. That when, when people voted for Donald Trump, that was taken as everyone that voted for Trump, everyone with a MAGA hat on was a Trump sycophant. They right. just loved Trump. Trump could do no wrong. Trump could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. and nobody would care. And to a degree, that was true. But the reason it was true is because Donald Trump was giving two big middle fingers to the establishment that everyone with their they live glasses on mm-hmm could see was fucking them over. As soon as Donald Trump stopped being that guy, yeah. people stopped loving him. Right. That's the truth. It's not just pure uh, sycophancy for, for Donald Trump. Right. People voted for his two middle fingers and nothing else. They was, don't need anything else from Trump except that. Right. And so now en- when Trump's entirely- influence is fading, people are not really, he's, his work isn't, isn't working out. What he's right. trying to do isn't working out because people, they see the Operation Warp Speed stuff. They see the vaccine stuff. And they, they've always seen the um, megalomania, but they didn't care because mm-hmm. they weren't voting for that part of his body. They were just voting for his two middle fingers. I remember thinking that right before he got elected, when you started seeing the support growing, I remember thinking that, and I, I was checked out from politics because I just had a family situation going on, but going... This is interesting to watch because it is being predicated upon the notion of an entirely reactionary idea. It's not a man. It's it's an idea of reaction of people yeah. like, I'm so sick of this shit. And you can't think of a better, like a, a more polarizing entity to invoke that reaction than Hillary Clinton. It's like right. She represents everything I hate about this shit. Not, not left or right, but just deep state politically connected corrupt you know a woman oh. <laughs> <laughs> kidding sorry so um with these ideas in mind i want to play this this latest uh scott adams clip i thought it was kind of interesting i mean just superficially for the things that we talk about but <clears throat> kind of spurn some other ideas that I think kind of just tie into media and the way that people get just their heels so dug in with politics and just whatever the narrative that gets spoon-fed to them. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you that the people who, the anti-vaxxers appear to be right. Somebody who did not get vaccinated got a little Omicron or maybe even a worse one, but recovered. Now you've got natural immunity and you have no vaccination in you. Can we all agree that that was the winning path? The smartest, happiest people are the ones who didn't get the vaccination and are still alive. I wanna make sure that I'm not leaving any wiggle room for myself. Have I? 
Have I said as clearly as possible they're the happy ones right now? So I thought this was kind of interesting on a couple different fronts. Um, I'm a little bothered with the way that he frames his statement there about winning when none of this. So we've always said before that the vitriol and aggression centered around the vaccine has always been a one-way street. It's always only come. Mm-hmm. No one, no one was yelling at other people for getting vaccinated. It was, it was, which is, which is the fundamental flaw of libertarianism that sometimes I think about. It's, how am I going to win in this filthy political <laughs> fucking octagon when our, the philosophy is a minimal amount of said power, right? So you're kind of setting up yourself to kind of lose the race from the very beginning. I think that's an apt metaphor for what you're seeing with the Scott Adams stuff. <clears throat> when he talks about this anti-vax aggression or whatever, I'm like, it's not, it's, that's only going one way, right? I got... I've lost several friends because I chose not to take that shot. At no point did I give someone shit for, I never belittled anyone. I never made fun of them unless you were a close friend. Grown <laughs> <laughs> to expect that. So I play this for a couple of reasons. The obvious one I think would be the low hanging fruit is that he represents the thing that we've been discussing quite a bit. And that is the idea of the COVID narrative has basically imploded on itself. It just keeps caving in. Um, that that holds true with the acknowledgement of the excess mortality rates. You know, talking about you know life insurance claims. Um, people, we've never met anyone that regretted not taking the vaccine. I know a lot of people who have regretted to taking it, and just saying like I, we got lied to, or that maybe like yeah, I took the first shot. Like I'm I'm good after that. We're not we're not going to take the uh, boosters. And I think all of this is part and parcel of just the, the larger idea that the COVID narrative has just caved in on itself. And we also saw that, that they tried to reinstitute the mask mandates in a couple counties here. Uh, I think LA, Alameda, and I think San Francisco that I can think of off the top of my head, which was met with a resounding like, now, now we're, we're done with this, which those are very, mm-hmm. very covid hysterical <laughs> central areas yeah. you know to 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 stereotype totally as in the beginning he no, was no he's saying he was wrong he's okay. acknowledging that i was complete because he's been a staunch uh vaccine proponent right and has gotten and now he's saying i was wrong I what was, was wrong. he saying about winning he's about winning the he's argument saying, he's saying if you chose not to take the vaccine and you opted on the side of natural immunity you are on the winning side of this so he's making a similar mistake that Trump makes that it's about winning. And for right. most people, it's not. Yeah. It's about either being left the fuck alone. And that's kind of the point that I was bringing up is, is what I was saying is if one side is I want to win and the other side is I want to be left alone. It's like I'm on the losing footing right off the bat. Exactly. It's like I just, just, can you just leave me alone? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, we could really go off on a tangent here. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the non-aggression principle, a.k.a. the nap, is oftentimes, I think, m- misunderstood as pacifism when that's not right. the intent. The yeah. intent is to never aggress against anyone unless you're doing it in 
self-defense. Self-defense, right. Um, but where do you, you know, is there such a thing as preemptive self-defense? Correct. And that's kind of where we, that's that's the jumping off point for getting lost in the weeds, which yeah. I'm not going to do. <laughs> but also, Well, also gets into the idea that the term aggression is fairly abstract. So right. is you preventing my kid from going to school, is that aggression? Like, I would say it is. Mm-hmm. But do I run if you come in to attack that person? You coming into my house and telling me that you're going to take my kid from me because I refuse to inject him with an experimental drug Gene therapy, yeah, which they did in that video that we've all seen in from Australia, New Zealand. I which, believe it was. If you haven't seen is that, that video, is me killing those people aggression? No, I mean it's aggressive, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, but then you have to also. The other side of that coin is, you know, much to go back to the principles of free driving is <laughs> always bring it back to the principles of free driving. When in doubt, <laughs> bring it back to free driving. They say, talk about what you know <laughs> is I also have to do whatever I can to minimize every, any interaction I will have with the state. So that's something you have to consider too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, how do what? we get on? We went from World Economic <laughs> Forum to non-aggression. How do we get here? We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, back to the Scott Adams clip. Uh, I think that what was interesting that stood out to me about this clip is that immediately when Scott Adams came out with that statement, very predictably, all the media started coming out against him. We were there. They were very much for Scott Adams, even though he was a magnet. This gets this gets tricky. There's several layers to this. He was hated because he was a vocal Trump supporter, right? And then he was in. He's a very influential figure. He's got a huge following on Twitter, and that's how we quantify popularity here in 2023 for whatever reason. And then he comes out very, very vaccine. So the right hates him, which means the left loves him. All of a sudden, he's a darling of the left, which the left is pretty much synonymous with media at this point is mm-hmm. completely controlled by the left. So, but then he comes out with this video and says, uh, I was wrong. You guys were right. Like natural immunity and no vaccine. That's the best case scenario that you can have. So now the left has fucking turned on him. And I thought that was interesting. That was the most interesting thing about this clip. I mean, it's not just him saying that so I can pat myself on the back like, oh, yeah, I yeah. won. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit about that. I don't, I don't care what other people do or what they think about what I'm doing. It's what I thought was interesting about it is that as soon as he strays from that three-by-five card of acceptable t- opinion, there's this lockstep all at the same time. Like, okay, we hate this guy. I was like, this is exactly what happened to Elon Musk, who was a yep. darling of the left for decades and just as soon as he buys Twitter and go like, yeah, just I want to turn it into a free speech platform. It was like, it was so. I, I just think it's creepy the way it happens in complete fucking concert. Every fucking media outlet just turns on him, go like, okay, you are the most hated man on the planet now. Like, and we're gonna write news articles about you for just weeks and weeks and weeks about what a terrible person you are. And as just as the, the corporate media structure goes, here's your narrative. All these, when we talk about, use the term the NPC, the blue-pilled NPC, I say, like, here's, here's the most defining characteristic. It's someone whose opinions just magically line up with mainstream media, every single one. You're like, I'm for Ukraine, I'm for the vax, I'm for the boosters, I'm for the lockdowns. Um, Donald Trump's a Nazi, uh, they were whipping migrant Haitian, you know, Haitian migrants, you know, on and yeah. on and on. 
And <clears throat> that, like, if, if you are one of those people, like, I just take stock of, like, what, what your perspective or what your position on, is, on these issues is. And if it's all exactly the same as the corporate media structure, like, you really need to reassess your critical thinking skills. Because this, this happened with Elon Musk, just, a, you know, just in lockstep, they turned on Scott Adams. And then I started getting, I got a meme from a, who I would say a blue-pilled NPC friend, sent me a meme about Elon Musk. And so I was like interested, you know, it was like mm-hmm. making fun of him. I'm like, what, I'm like, can you explain to me? What was the meme? I don't even remember. It was just like something, I don't know. They, these people that spend a lot of time on Reddit, I guess, they think it's like edgy. <laughs> it's the most like, <laughs> I was like, dude, if you saw the shit that I get from oh my, my friends, <laughs> this is the most middle of the road, like vanilla fucking benign thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, ah, oh, you, you little revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> you little rascal. <laughs> But I did text back and I said, I'm like, what? I, I was like, I thought, I thought you guys were like all in on Elon. Like, what, what, I don't understand. Like, what's the problem? Because it like, happened like essentially like overnight almost. And I wrote back like, well, if you just keep his fucking mouth shut and just build Teslas, then I wouldn't have a problem yeah, with it. Yeah, shut up and dribble. Yeah. <laughs> said like, <laughs> thank you for not answering my question. And yeah, please, no more memes. They, they're, they're not funny. <laughs> Which is a good thing since uh, sometimes... Uh, the laughter caused by memes can lead to heart attacks, heart attacks, and strokes, and strokes, yeah, as we've yeah. seen uh, recently. So, yeah, not as bad. So the as... left is really doing the Lord's work by not killing people with funny memes. <laughs> right, since correct. the right that <laughs> has blood on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> is I just when this Scott Adams thing happened, and then I was reflecting about the Elon Musk stuff. I just I just had this vision popped in my head of like these NPCs getting out of bed and like immediately getting on their iPhone and just basically like just one way input only no critical thinking just like yes I too hate Elon Musk January 6th was worse than the civil war it's time for your new booster I stand with Ukraine climate change are causing hot is causing heart attacks and just it's I don't know it's creepy to fucking be around if I could refer to you your they live reference yes which, uh, in case anyone is missing that reference, it is a must must watch movie from the eighties. Yes, that just like all great art, got no critical acclaim, and is one of the most prescient movies of our time. I think. Yeah. So the um, it also because I was mentioning that uh, how people only read headlines. And then yeah. I think I referenced this on another podcast. It's like the most perfect example of that is having a debate about someone about COVID. And they just had this like Alex Jones view of what I was saying. You're like, oh, you don't believe it's, it's happening? I'm like, no, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying something with a 99 point. I think, I think it was, we were just calling it like 99% at that point. But someone with a 99%, a virus with a 99% survivability rate, I don't understand like taking kids out of school. Like the the cause the cause is the dis- what would you say the the medicine is worse the than the disease the cure is worse than the disease yeah. yeah thank you and him sending a Wapo article you know the first time I said that to someone uh, it was um, a relatively blue pilled NPC friend mm-hmm. of mine that I used to play basketball with and when I said that it was just right when the pandemic was 
starting to be on people's radar. Right. Like April or May <clears throat> of 2020. And I said, I was saying, I, I was noticing all the stuff that, that we've yeah. been saying for years. Like we, and, but it was early on. I said, we can't let the cure be worse than the disease. Yeah. I said that because that's a phrase that I've heard my whole life. Yeah. But at the same time, Donald Trump had said that same phrase. Oh, really? Like a week or so before that. Yeah. And they, when I said that, they said, oh, oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Who said that? I'm like, everyone in the history of time that's making a good point has said that. What are you talking about? And it turns out they were saying, you are a Trump supporter. Yeah. How dare you? It's like, that's, which, which that is not my point right. here. This disease kills 0.003% of people that it gets. Right. And we're going to destroy our economy over this? Oh, but Trump said that. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. Is that your brain has become broken. It's a car stereo yeah. that gets perfect reception, no static, directly from the mainstream right. media. Yeah. All right. Think about that. Like if, if everything that comes out of your mouth is completely in line with everything that you hear on mainstream media, particularly one version of mainstream media, uh-huh. one small, narrow, you know, section of the media that we hear. If that's what you're repeating, it's time to just do a little gut check. Right. Gut check. <laughs> gut check. <laughs> Fact check the gut check. <laughs> so, uh, let's go back to the good old World Economic Forum. And I want to talk about the World Economic Forum. And another one of their big topics was Ukraine, which I thought was a little... Strange. It kind of stood out a little bit. So, they're a little digging, mm-hmm. as one does nice, when they're nice. fucking weird. <laughs> and I think this ties into the things that we were talking about earlier. So, the Ukraine, I think, can be tied back to scrubbing the internet, domestic extremism, and censoring the internet. Going back to our Klaus Schwab quote, which may or may not be from him, because we never know. No one actually has primary source material on any of these things, so... Well, it wouldn't be beyond them to remove something, right. to scrub something from the internet and then claim that it didn't exist. Scrubbing something from the internet to cover the tracks about scrubbing the internet. Do you remember the- Gut check. Gut check. Gut check. Gut check. Do you remember when we talked about that article, the headline was, Welcome to 2030, I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has ever been better? Right. They- we read the whole article. Right. We talked about it on right. I'm not making this up. Yeah. Right? No. They took that off. They they've taken that off. Yeah. You can't find that anymore. Yes. And they claim that they didn't say it. Yeah. So I have seen that. You be the judge. Yeah, yeah. So one of this year, so to tie it, just I want to talk about Ukraine for a second. And the do you remember a couple of episodes ago we talked about that I think the, the the impetus for the discussion was we were talking about uh Kanye West. And he was on his uh, global <laughs> anti-Semitic tour. <laughs> and I was like, this is as sensationalist and ridiculous and just kind of gross this whole situation is. And you know, the media's infatuation with it is if you look a little deeper and you couple this with some of the things that we were hearing from what we would refer to as the deep state to go back to, was that two episodes ago? And, you know, some of the language being used by the Department of Homeland Security and the CIA, or not CIA, but the FBI. And these people are all very much pushing for always control, like an enhancement of the surveillance state. 
the most perfect example of, of that being of weaponizing a tragedy like 9-11 and then passing the Patriot Act, which we are still in all those measures were never rolled back. We are still in a complete surveillance state you mm-hmm. know, since 9-11. You know, warrantless wiretapping. and I mean, it could FISA be worse. It's, I wouldn't say it's complete. It's yeah. getting, it's getting, they're ratcheting it up more It and more is getting worse. With every law they pass. Right. And which these people, by the way, are at their core statists. Right. Correct. And so they want control because that's what, that's what government yeah. does. That's what it does. So they can't get enough. Government does two things efficiently. Takes your shit and grows. That's all they do. Well, everything else they fucking suck at. But those two things, they are amazingly efficient at. They've never decreased in any of those things. No. The only bright spots on their record are when they've slowed down the rates at which they took your stuff and grew. Right. But they've never actually reversed that. Yeah, it's never gone Just speaking from an American perspective, but I think probably the world over, the only time it ever shrinks or dies back is in a... Some sort of a major change. Right. Speaking of major changes, is that we had been talking about for a while that the, the, the DHS, what they're trying to do, it's the same thing as the central bank digital currency, the CBDC. Is that would be complete control because once they control, like you have no cash, you know what I mean? Like we've talked about this several episodes. They're trying to do the same thing as to go back to Klaus Schwab saying he wants to scrub the internet. You'll get nothing, and I can. Exactly. Was that Klaus Schwab? Yes. (laughs) Finally cleaned up his accent. (laughs) The. Uh, what they want to do with the internet is the digital ID, which they are actually already proposing. I think California is actually proposing a digital digital ID, and what this would do is track. There's no more anonymity in on the internet, and so everything you look at, everything that you say, it can be completely tracked. Now, I would argue if you're saying the wrong things, <laughs> you are already being tracked. Well, clearly, yeah, right. But the uh, so this ties back to Klaus Schwab saying he wants to um, scrub the internet. So do you remember when we talked about Elizabeth Newman in the January sixth? Who is she? She uh, is a high up in the Department of Homeland Security, and she magically predicted January sixth, just okay. as many people magically predicted things like nine eleven and the Oklahoma City bombing, and I don't know, Waco, Ruby Ridge, <laughs> like how far you want to go. But <clears throat> she said that before January 6th, she goes, right around the time of the election, we are going to have another 9-11. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and she also said... And they, they were predicting that this would be much worse than it was. Exactly. So here, here's, a, here's a quick clip for her. This is her on with that lightning in a bottle, high-energy firecracker, Terry Gross. Elizabeth Newman, welcome to Fresh Air. I want to start with the January 6th insurrection. In a lot of ways, it did not succeed. It didn't succeed in overturning the election. It didn't return Donald Trump to the presidency. Over 300 people have been charged by the Justice Department. Some of the Q followers were disillusioned that the prophecy about Trump remaining president didn't come true. So in that sense, the insurrection was a failure. Are there ways in which it was a success for the far right? Pause Thanks it. for having me, Terry. So the real mm, definition of <laughs> begging the question right. is, and I, I just kind of learned this from listening to Tom Woods, I think, but it is that, that what she's doing 
is it's kind of like the so what's that the beat your wife uh, uh, <laughs> meme that people talk about like so how often oh, right, when right. did you stop beating your wife and like I never beat my wife right okay. she's saying you lost like, me there for a second. in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of uh, it's my misogyny I just can't hide it um, in a lot of uh, she's saying a lot of the January sixth stuff didn't work out it didn't overturn right. Did any of it this is work out? And she's yeah. basically begging the question. She's saying like, now all this stuff was awful, but what else about it was awful? Right. Right. This is not like someone actually having a sober kind of reflection on maybe the positives and negatives. Was there anything? No, it's like, so these are all the awful things, but did anything else work out that made it even more awful? Right. Yeah. But you're, you're disguising that question as like, you know, you're looking at both sides of it. You're, yeah, I will. I will give not her. Not that I expected Terry Gross to come out <laughs> swinging here. <laughs> Dude, how amazing would it be if Terry Gross went on the Alex Jones show? <laughs> It'd be the greatest conversation. Wow. <laughs> It'd probably be up there with her conversation with Gene Simmons. <laughs> Which I got to go back and listen yeah, to. Yeah, for those of you listening, look that up. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Um, so what, so a couple things here, I do give her kudos for, I mean, not calling it an arms direction, which was kind of the, 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 the hot phrase thrown around. Uh, I wouldn't even say it was an insurrection. It was just kind of an unaccompanied tour of the Capitol by a bunch of fucking dorks who just kind of fell for the wrong shit. Yep. Unfortunately, a lot of those people are still in solitary confinement, by the way. And many of them got, you know, multiple year prison sentences. Um, so go, to go back to Elizabeth Newman in January 6th is that she, you know, of course, magically predicted that, you know, January 6th was going to happen. And she was saying that calling this the new nine 11 is that she, in the same speech, she says, we need more tools to combat domestic extremism. Now, when you hear someone that works for the department of Homeland security say that you need more tools, Let's just mm-hmm. err on the side that they don't mean an enhancement of your <laughs> you know, civil liberties and privacy. Right. So this, of course, right after this, and then Biden comes out and unveils, like, do you remember, what do you say the biggest threat to America is? Like, kicked yep. off his administration yep. with this. White supremacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to propose a few things that would suggest that a lot of these things are related. Now, this is something the other tour guides won't tell you. All right. Let's get weird. <laughs> I looked into, because also that, so what, what, what was the World Economic Forum? They're talking about cybersecurity, combating disinformation, mm-hmm. scrubbing internet, and then Ukraine. Right. Yep. Okay. Why? What? What would be the World Economic Forum's like interest in Ukraine? Although it being the most lucrative money laundering scheme in American history, probably at this point. To go back to our uh, crypto scandal and all the money. I mean, the billion dollars that was proposed to go to the Democratic Party before that Sam Bankman-Fried went to prison. Well, and all the aid and all the money, all the arms that we've been right. giving them. Right. Up until We're just now, sending all more of tanks the, over to the fourth most corrupt country in the world. Yeah, more corrupt than the hated neighbor Russia, right? Which is ninth right. on the list of most corrupt countries. Mm-hmm. Um, why would this country be our um, <clears throat> bastion of democracy? 
in I, the world that I we're would, trying to protect. I would argue for two reasons. Number one, the first one you just said, because they're so corrupt, it's easy to launder money and <laughs> do whatever you want. Number two, this is this is our leverage against Russia, which we have been trying to hold over the flame basically since turns out here towards almost the 40s. So the CIA did a little digging. The CIA has been cultivating a white nationalist movement in Ukraine since 1948, right? And do you, are you familiar with the Mujahideen? Mujahideen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so same thing. Like we basically same thing that we're doing now. We're fighting like a proxy war against Russia. So I looked in this, this, this is a declassified uh, CIA document. The CIA brought over in 1966 a Nazi war criminal named Mikola Lebed and placed him in charge of a propaganda slash media outlet that had an office in New York and in Ukraine. It was called the Prologue. And this Prologue was basically a propaganda outfit to consolidate white nationalism and actual white supremacy. So side note, social justice warriors out there. This is actual white supremacy. Like, this is your time to shine. Like, fucking get on. Yeah. Like, I know you're not real yeah, familiar not, not with not. it. I know it's not something that you guys specialize in actual white supremacy, but if you want to brush right. up, this is what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, stop yelling yeah. at people doing yoga. Stop yeah. yelling at people to, drinking you know, not, milk. Yeah, not telling, like, you know, white supremacists, hey, ask my employees to be on time. No, 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 no. The actual white supremacists, like, with swastikas. It's like, it's fucking everything you wanted, and I'm giving it to you on a silver platter. Yep. I will give you the website to go to they Just, wouldn't know like, what to nah, do with it nah, when they saw it that was, your, dude, that was your time to shine these social justice you know what they're like they're like that guy in the bar that looks like the super hot chick like yeah like that five minutes with her like yeah. you, you buddy you wouldn't know what to do with her yeah <laughs> then you finally get it and you're just like, uh, uh. <laughs> okay let's not be crass all right <laughs> I was just, I was talking about what he would say. Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, you want to date my buddy over here? Yeah, yeah. this guy. Uh. So this uh, prologue movement that was in New York and Ukraine and then would spread into like Italy and Spain and Germany, you know, have like several cells all over the place. This became known as, at several different arms, as the Azov Azov Battalion. Battalion. Exactly which has a very nasty Nazi problem. Yes. <laughs> you Google some simple in- uh, images. I mean, it's it's not just them. At this point, it's like, does anyone in the Ukrainian military not have a Nazi tattoo? <laughs> I mean, not that I think everyone... It's like being in Patriot Front without a flat top. <laughs> Dude, the... Uh, I gotta... We gotta get Chris Moreno on the line. He just called. Let's see if he calls back. Okay. Because um, speaking of... Uh, Nazi tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Actually, hold on. I got to pee. Dude, bro, can you hear me? No? Kelly. You there? Fuck. Kelly. Hey. Hey, I'll call you after the game. 
Hold on a second. We're on the podcast right now. Um, do you remember the time I was sitting on the beach uh, waiting for you to come out of the water? And uh, I was telling you that there was that dude walking down the beach. There was two guys. One of them had his wetsuit down around his uh, waist. And uh, the other guy looked like just, I don't know, your, your typical like accountant. And they're, they're about to paddle out into the water. And the guy that had his wetsuit down had this gigantic swastika tattooed on his belly. Okay. And I was like, holy shit. And just walking down Huntington Beach, like, no uh-huh. big deal. I mean, just not afraid at all. And I thought, you know, that guy doesn't look like a white supremacist to me. You know, he looks like... Um, like just like an like an accountant and i'm thinking like here is you know you're looking for white supremacy in the world you're looking to demonize racists here's a guy even this guy walking down the beach with the biggest swastika tattooed on his stomach i'm like this guy doesn't even to me look like a racist and i think you said something like you know he probably got that tattoo just so he could survive prison yeah right yeah 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 absolutely um, or he got it when he was a kid and was young and dumb and who knows who he was influenced by. Um, but yeah, I remember that. I was I was with a guy who has uh, a swastika tattooed on his back the whole time I was in Australia. And we would paddle out. I mean, huge from shoulder to shoulder, top to bottom. But anybody who saw it would think, oh, holy shit, that guy's got a swastika tattooed. He's a racist. But the, you know, he's not a racist and the original meaning, you know, the original meaning and how old that symbol is, right? It's, yeah, it's a um, Sanskrit thing, right? It it was stolen just like the rainbow has been stolen. Um, And now, you know, it it has a a defined meaning that is not at all what that should be. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Will you give me a ring when you guys are done with the pod? Yeah. Okay. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Man, meaning or not, that's a a bold step to take to prove a point. (laughs) I hear it hurts to get those removed. I mean, would you go to that level of pain to get a gigantic tattoo removed off your back? Uh, Now you cover it up, right? Yeah. Or you turn it into like a flower? Yeah. (laughs) Just a big black dot or something. (laughs) So to get back to <laughs> something of importance, <laughs> my favorite Tom Cochran song um, <laughs> is this Azov movement would branch out into other countries and would become, as far as it pertains to the U.S., as factions would include, have you ever heard of the Rise Above movement? Yes. Yeah, so the Rise Above movement uh, in, in Russia, it's something called RAM, which is the Russian Imperial Movement. Um, there's an Italian faction, which I can't remember the name off the top of my head. R.E.M. R.E.M., thank you. And uh, Patriot Front mm-hmm. is also involved in that. And really? Then, so yeah. Patriot Front is not just a pure well, Patriot Front's fed... It is. Okay. It is. But what I'm saying... Why would that preclude them from being Nazis? <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm saying is once you kind of lay this stuff out and see the history of this, because now that we see the origins of the Azov Battalion was started by the CIA, right? And then we see... Oh, really? Yeah. This is this, cause the, the guy that they sent over there is 
worked for the CIA. He was that Nazi war criminal that I was talking oh, about. Oh, I see. 1966, okay. they brought him over, set him up with this propaganda outfit in New York called the Prologue. They also had an office in Ukraine. That was the beginnings of the Azov Battalion. The Azov Battalion was created by the CIA. And then from the Azov Battalion, then it spread into these other countries, coming back to the U.S. with Patriot Front, the Rise Above Movement, another movement called the Base. And so I looked into the Base. Here's another connection. The, the guy who started the base, which, interestingly enough, is the English translation, translation of Al-Qaeda, is the base. Oh, really? And so this guy basically started the base, comma, U.S., I guess you could call it, <laughs> is a guy named Ronaldo Nazaro. And if you look him online, he is known as an extremist leader. Now, he was based in the United States. He's from New Jersey. And then right around 2018... He goes to Russia and starts the base, which is a white supremacist, white nationalist uh, organization. Do you know what he did before he started the base in Russia? Tell me. He worked for the Department of Homeland Security. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, you can look this stuff up from 2004 to 2006. He also, and after that, he worked in up until 2014. He worked in the Middle East with top secret clearance and on counter counterterrorism measures. Hmm. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So to tie all this stuff back to the World Economic Forum, and they're trying to establish a digital ID and go back to what Elizabeth Newman was saying, what they tried to pull off with January 6th was a failure. But it wasn't a failure the way that Terry Gross is saying it was a failure. She was saying it was a failure. They were going to, uh, I don't know, a couple of fucking dumbos thought they were going to retain Donald Trump as their president. <laughs> he wasn't going to leave the White House. Yeah. Like, I don't know what their fucking end goal was. With a handful of zip ties. Yes, exactly. Not even any yeah, guns. Yeah, no one had guns in the most armed country in the world. You know, magically, no one had any guns. Except Ray Epps. I'm sure he, was, he has a concealed carry because you know, he works for the FBI. Um, the point of saying that it was a failure, it's not by saying what why they said it was a failure. It was a failure because it was a fucking head uh, fed honeypot, just like Charlottesville was, just like all these other like domestic terrorism events are all fed honeypots. They all are tied back to the, either the FBI or the CIA, the CIA doing the ones overseas, the FBI is do, doing the ones domestically. The reason why it was a failure is that it was supposed to be the next 9-11. It was supposed to be, there was supposed to be blood. People were supposed to show up with arms. They were supposed to fall for the trap, and they didn't. It also makes, I, whenever I hear that, I always think I go to the pipe bomb person that was never found. Right. Right? And I just think, like, man, what were they actually hoping would happen? Whether that pipe bomb person was a private citizen. Yeah. Which I kind of doubt, because that person would probably be caught and behind bars yeah right now i mean we're talking about the most surveilled stretch of you know quarter mile stretch of the earth right probably and somehow they couldn't catch that guy yeah but they caught facial recognition and phone data and everything yeah. everybody else that was just like on the wrong side of a barricade right they have those people like dead to rights yeah but for some reason they can't get this guy that was actually potentially going to kill a lot of people mm -hmm. and had that happened we'd be January 6th would be a much different exactly. situation. It, and, people like us wouldn't be able to say, well, nobody brought guns there because right. it wouldn't matter. Yeah. A bunch of people died from a bomb. Yeah. Um, even though we would still be correct. Right. Just that one incident would have changed the, the way everyone thinks about this. Yeah. So January 6th was nowhere near like as, as sick and as macabre as these fucking psychopaths seem like. 
is they actually wanted something horrific to happen because yeah, th- this, w- this would I mean, be this would be the, the the shoehorn we could go like okay this these guys look at what happened people died right they died because of this cause your white nationalist ultra mega you know whatever and they were radicalized online so what we need to do is to go back to what Klaus Schwab was saying we need to scrub the internet we need a digital ID no more anonymous posts no more following this random thing on telegram like it's going to be state approved media only just like corporate media is like we need to apply that template to the internet like this is you know this would be the enhancement of the surveillance state which is what they what they want to do it's the reason why I bring this up and to tie it back to the World Economic Forum is that given that you, once you understand that this is the template of control, of subjugation that they're trying to impose on everyone, is they are, since January 6th failed, and now we can see these, these are classified CIA documents that the Azov movement was started by the CIA in 1966 means has origins going back to 1948 and from the azov battalion goes to you know legitimate connections from the patriot front and the base and rise above movement that's what's going on in the u.s and if these are the people that show up to the capitol or show up at charlottesville or show up at these unite the right rallies then we go like okay here is a clear connection between the cia a state-sponsored basically terror movement coming back home to create domestic extremist events and then come around full circle like, look at this horrific event that we started, by the way. And so it's time for that digital ID. Like, we, you know, we can't have this. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, Elizabeth Newman, everyone in perfect lockstep coming out with the message, the biggest threat to America is domestic extremism and white terrors and, and white supremacy. January 6th happens. It failed. And I think what's going to eventually happen, like, eventually one of these events, the people will fucking take the bait and... For God's sake, if you are all fiddling with the idea of maybe <laughs> doing, doing some enacting some kind of violence, you know, or just, you know, trying to blow something up, you know, like those fucking dumb shits in Washington that blow up a power plant. As it turns out, they tried to say that was white supremacy and domestic terrorism. It turns out it was just a couple meth heads that wanted to rip houses off in a certain yeah, or, neighborhood. Or the dumb shits that went along with the Megan Whitmer kidnapping Perfect example. Uh, program or not the feds. It was almost all feds. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about yeah. the, the actual dumbos that went along yeah. with it. Right. Look, do not engage. Yeah. This is not the way. In fact, I actually wanted to bring up before we're done here, uh, some, some solutions. Cause I know one of our faithful listeners said, I know what the problems are. I want solutions. Okay. And I have some, and they're not at all related to blowing up your enemy or killing people or, uh, being, uh, Violating the non-aggression principle, right. even though we, you know, could debate whether self-defense is that. Um, it is, but just to kind of put a little bit of a finer point or sell what you're saying a little bit more, if you don't think that the federal government of the United States of America is capable of doing those things, mm-hmm. of let's say instigating somebody or even doing it themselves to plant a pipe bomb at a rally and kill a bunch of Americans or even kill our president like they did with John F. Kennedy. We're pretty sure. You don't think they're capable of that. Look at their track record. Right. All they do is sponsor war and terror around the world. They kill babies and people at wedding parties and children in schools all the time 
with unmanned drone attacks and you know throughout the the 90s and 2000s in Iraq and the, Afghanistan the, the and the double tap the- drone strike will the drone strike a wedding and then wait 45 minutes for first responders to show up and then drone it again i mean the stories that you hear about the 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 innocent people being killed by the US government are just heartbreaking and the people doing that they know that's what's happening mm-hmm. Even if they're not doing it intentionally, they don't stop doing it once they realize that what they're doing is causing all this pain and destruction. If you don't think they would do the same thing to us, then you're really not paying attention. They are psychopaths. They don't care that it's American citizens. I mean, they've killed American citizens overseas. Mm -hmm. They really don't care. So if you think that they're just for some reason going to not do that to us, even though they're willing to incinerate babies around the world. I mean, Dave Smith was just making this. I'm kind of just repeating what he said, but this exact same point on his podcast. But it's so true. Like, wake up. They are capable of this. Their track record proves that they are capable of that. So um, let's just... Let's just jump to some solutions real quick. Okay. Um, how do you combat the World Economic Forum's agenda? Uh, first and foremost, that the, as far as a tangible solution, that is incredibly complex and that is one that I just do not have at my fingertips, but what do you start with, right? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Is first and foremost, is number one on my list would be awareness. It's just be aware that this stuff is going on. Number two would be just to employ some skepticism and critical thinking. Don't take what the mainstream narrative is. Like question everything always. Try to find the source material. Try to push back against what the popular opinion is. Don't worry about... Listen, it, it, it has been unpleasant since we started this podcast to lose several friends and to be, you know, have people looking sideways at me. It's worth it if you believe in something. Like if you, if, if that comes at, if that's my cost for thinking freely and, and being skeptical about these political elites and what I see is just like wrongs in the world, then so be it. I'm sorry. It yeah. sucks. I think that uh, this is the – I hate hearing this when people say this is what you need to do to fight this stuff because it's kind of like someone telling you like, well, if you want to be healthy, you should just do some exercise and eat your vegetables. It's like, ugh, that's not what I wanted to hear. But your representatives in the United States of America have the power to enact laws to prevent – the things that the World Economic Forum needs in order to succeed. The biggest one being ESG, mm-hmm. environmental, social, what does it stand for? Uh, environmental. Social governance. Social governance. So there are states that uh, have uh, banned any sort of ESG scores being used in order to affect people. I think Florida lending, was the first, banking. right? Uh, yeah, I I don't know what the states are. I'm not comfortable. Yeah. I th- want to say it's like New Hampshire or some states up in New England. So um, that, in the solution section of this podcast, that would have been really good to have uh, this <laughs> handy. <laughs> but <laughs> look it up. Just dildo it. You'll find it. Um, your government, your local government can stop this stuff from happening in your state. And if it comes down to the point where it's your state doesn't allow it and the rest of the federal government does 
require it, maybe it'll bring it to a head and we'll get a national divorce over something like this. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a better reason to split up than something like this. Also, um, CBDC, there's the central bank digital currency. That is being resisted by state governments also. That would come down to the awareness thing. I think a lot of people around you that have had this experience personally, they have no idea, like CBDC, I don't, and then you tell them, well, it's a central banking digital currency, and these guys shrug it. I, so, what? Why? Why are you telling me this? Is explain to people like this. This will be the end of your personal autonomy, right? Same thing as this digital ID. This this is the end. If this thing if this thing happens, that's it. Because at the press of a button, it's like you say the wrong thing online. You can't buy groceries. All of a sudden, I know that sounds hyperbolic and ridiculous and far fetched. It's not when you really look at the things that the World Economic Forum is saying. It's the same people that are proposing that these these are the things that we're trying to implement into society. And then their next speech is about um, you need to live in a tiny home. Uh, everything needs to be on public transportation. You'll own nothing and like it by 2030 and on and on and on. It's all about turning you into basically the matrix, like a, just, just exactly. a, a peon automaton a with no personal eater. autonomy. Yeah, a useless eater. And the way that they could do that, once you have like something like the CBDC or a digital or a digital ID, it's like at the press of the button. It's like, yeah, you will submit to our will, and you will not have any choice about it. And if all else fails, uh, Bohemian Grove happens once a year and <laughs> in our neck of the woods here. Yeah, maybe just camp out and protest or sneak in like Alex Jones did and uh, try to disrupt their party. I don't care if it rains or freezes, long as I got my plastic cheese. I'm sitting on the dashboard of my car.